Welcome back. You're listening to Truth Rising. I'm your host, Lucina. Today's date is Saturday, August 29th, 2020. And the title of today's episode is, Is Consent the Greatest Weapon Being Used Against Us? Here are my thoughts. Now, before we get into my thoughts, I just wanted to let you know the reason that I decided to add a third segment to the consent conversation. Uh, Basically, as I look back at the, the different or I guess recalled at the, of the different aspects of that consent conversation I had with my friend Erica over the last couple of episodes. And of course, while I listened to the recordings and prepared them to upload, I, a lot of different thoughts continued to sort of get tacked on to where I was already at. And that's something that I really love about doing this is I do find that the more energy I put in this direction, the more interesting ideas, thoughts, news, information, feedback I get, everything just kind of tacks on to where I'm going. And it's showing me the direction that I want to be going in. And it shows me the direction that I need to move away from. And and that's okay. Uh, Sometimes we need to discover our path and, and where we're going with something by, you know, testing the waters. And I definitely did enjoy the conversation style of our episode. And I hope you did too. Uh, it's definitely not not really um, a format that I'm going to stick to. But I felt that it is important as this is a project to really bring some other people in on the conversation. Um, and it, what it does is it allows you, the listener, to really have the opportunity to hear different perspectives and not just take it from one person or one source. Uh, I guess, again, the goal here is, as I'm going to continue to reiterate, is to help you, the listener, become more of an independent thinker, to draw your own conclusions. Uh, Maybe you may not like something I said or say. You may not like something that my guests uh, and future guests might say or do. However, it does just bring other information and other perspectives and frames of reference into the conversation, which is so important for gaining uh, or forming your own understanding and developing that on your own. And I think that we need more of that in this society. In this society, we used to have a lot more of that, but we know that a lot of the information out there is fairly biased and very well controlled to a fault, uh, because more and more people are really struggling with the truth of this and the truth of many other things. And I'm seeing a pattern with people, just the masses, just not having a really hard time getting on board with something new or changing the way they think, or the masses kind of believing much of the same narratives or ideas, which is a kind of a cult mindset. It's, it's not, you know, if we look at history, that cult collective mindset is definitely not healthy. It doesn't build healthy societies and it doesn't allow us to, you know, become individuals. And we may think sometimes that we're individuals, but one thing I've learned a lot is that our ability to be an individual and be an independent is, comes down to our ability to be a strong informed, independent thinker. So without further ado, uh, and I won't go too much on that, 
Um, I would just, I'll tune into my thoughts now, uh, my further thoughts on today's episode. And I really hope you enjoy what I have to add in my own monologue. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Now, why do I believe that consent is being, is a weapon that's being used against us? Well, there's a couple of parallels I'd like to draw on this. And one of the biggest things I see floating around out there right now is informed consent. And often informed consent is used in reference to uh, medical, sorry, the medical field. And the interesting thing about informed consent is I believe that it is universal. It can be a applied to pretty much any situation. Um, And so what I find interesting, and here's a definition of informed consent, permission granted in full knowledge of the possible consequences. Typically that which is given by a patient to a doctor for treatment with knowledge of the possible risks and benefits. And it's usually written in the form of like a contract where you sign, or there's a verbal understanding And so, yeah, and I got that, that definition from dictionary.com. There are a lot of articles and information on it out there, but what's really interesting, and I don't want to get into the medical aspect of it because it is beyond the scope of this project. I just wanted to draw it as a kind of a parallel. So you can kind of see that informed consent does apply anywhere you need to give consent. And so, but the thing about being about informed consent is the word informed is the operative word here because if you do not understand what is happening and you do not know how to speak up for yourself, then the problem really lies in that you're not very informed or you got yourself into a situation unknowingly for whatever reason. So how do you get yourself out? Or when you have a child that is about to be exploited or is being exploited or you know, whether it be online or in person, but we know online happens quite a bit. Uh, How do these children know and how are these children going to be informed about what is okay and what is not? And as Erica and I sort of went over in our last episode and she brought up some really good points that the responsibility really is on the parents. However, we know that there are different home situations now and a lot of parents are definitely under a lot of pressure I think, to inform and teach their kids about these issues. But then you also have the state education system coming into the rescue. And obviously we talked a lot, a little bit about that already, but the problem with that is, is that they are telling your child what consent is. And so this is the problem because if you look at if you looked at some of the sex education curriculums, for example, if we're going to pick on education for a moment, they're not teaching to how to consent against something or not. Or sorry, how, let me rephrase that. They're not teaching your child to say no. Um, and if you look at these curriculums, they are teaching, a lot of them are very, they kind of are swaying the child in the direction of, um, well, if someone's doing this to you, here's how you know if it's okay or not. And it just kind of goes back to 
you know, it, it's sort of blurring those lines again and not actually informing the child that, you know, this is wrong. If someone is touching you in a certain way or doing something or asking for inappropriate photos of you online or whatever the case may be, the answer should be no. Tell a parent, tell an adult that's responsible in the household, whoever it is, and take it from there. And so when you don't inform the child properly and you inform them in one direction, but they're not fully informed, they're informed in, informed in one direction, it is being used to hide true intentions, which goes back to other aspects of informed consent. And you, again, you can look up, look that up, you know, informed consent isn't someone saying, oh, it's okay. If this happens, then this is, this is totally normal. And there, there's nothing, it's not dangerous and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't need to go into all that detail, but I think you get the point here. Children aren't being informed that way. And a lot of the other stuff in line or kind of where the foundation of a lot of this is built on isn't helping them. Um, and I just want to go back to the laws because it really does. And it did begin with the laws. You know, when I go back to the criminal code of Canada in 1982, you know, they changed the, they took rape out, you know, it was abolished from the criminal code of Canada and replaced with sexual assault. And then obviously that very broadly defined term, as we already went over, left wide open for interpretation and pretty much doesn't say a whole lot as to, you know, whether you've been harmed or not, um, really. And so you have to kind of meet X, Y, Z. And here's the problem. Your only option is defined in the laws. That's your only option for consent. So how informed are you? If the law says, or if the law generally sways in the direction of, well, did you say no? Right. I'm not seeing any signs of resistance, so it couldn't have happened. Um, so again, and, and so that you're really your only option here when it comes to consent is defined already in the laws. It appears an entertainment of what that might look like or sound like, but it's so different depending on what entertainment you're viewing. And of course in public education. So we just, it's defined differently in each of those areas, but in public education, again, I'm going to pick on them a little bit again. They aren't telling your child that when someone does this, you say no. And the training or the education that they're giving is swaying them in a direction that work that's not keeping them informed. It's not um, helping them to understand the gravity of the situation. And whether I'm for or against a, um, you know, state sponsored sexual education system, again, is beyond the scope of this. I personally don't agree with an education system taking on that role, but I do see the breakdown in our society. And so when you have parents that are confused. And if it's a single parent home, if it's a same sex home, there's all kinds of different types of family setups. Now that conversation is so important to have. However, I do understand that not everybody is a ready and willing to have that conversation. 
However, I do believe that there should be some resources out there to that a parent can purchase that isn't biased towards a certain agenda, that it is written in a sense to help the parent or assist the parent in educating their own child. And we know that this has really been taken away. And so when you have more kids in the state school system, they're able to expand this curriculum and this curriculum does not inform them fully. It informs them on one part of it. And for, in my opinion, when I look at this, that one part of it is hiding true intentions and it's not allowing people to really understand what is going on, what's happening to me right now. Um, you know, someone's asking me for my inappropriate photos or images. How does a child know if that's inappropriate or not? If they're being taught in the school system that some of this stuff in a sense, I mean, maybe they're not saying is okay, but they are swaying it in that direction. And of course, if you have teenagers who are listening to like songs that like the, the WAP song or the WAP song, whatever you want to call it, um, and music like that, and they idolize some of these people again, how will they know if they're being exploited or even care or understand if they don't understand to them, this is all normal. So I hope I really drove that part home really well with some additional thoughts that I have. Um, and just back to the laws, you know, I truly believe that there is a simple and readily available solution. Um, you know, for example, if we have laws that are clearly defined, you know, and that consent is very straightforward and both are based on age, it used to be that if a person was under a certain age, that was automatically a problem. The law was knocking on your door and there were, there were certain penalties and punishments that were given out for that. And so it probably deterred people from preying on, you know, younger children or teenagers or youth. And it probably wasn't as widespread at that time, but the law definitely reflected more straightforwardness than um, it does right now. So one of the points that Erica and I talked about in our conversation um, over the last two episodes was that uh, the law should be really stating an adult age as to when a young person is mature enough to understand their decisions. And we know already that a 12 and 13, 14, 15, 16 year old I mean, there's so much that's going on in those years. You're developing, you're growing, you're changing. There's rebellious stages and all of that. So you're not in a position to really understand your choices, especially when already you don't understand, you know, what you're consenting to or what you're agreeing to. And so if they had more adult age laws for this and made it very clear there should be no exceptions. It doesn't matter if the person's 12 years old or 16 years old, or you thought the person was 13. I mean, this is where it leaves it really wide open. It's not just Canada though, as I mentioned, it's also in the U S and if you look at this close in age exception, it's everywhere. I've looked at different countries. I've looked at different States in the U S um, you know, for the most part, it's 
pr pretty similar. So, um, again, people like, for example, the case that I referenced in Colorado where the girl was gang raped, 13 year old girl or yeah, 13 year old girl gang raped. And two of the guys, you know, two out of the six guys were given probation and the other two were still two other ones were waiting for prosecution or I don't know, just an outcome. And the, what happened to the other two guys? I didn't hear anything about them, but six men passed her around. And they said in the article that they did not know that if they knew that she was underage, that they wouldn't have done this. Age or no age known, obviously the act was wrong. But that's where I wonder, is that close? It was that, that close in age exception that got them the lesser sentence. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm taking a wild guess that that was probably it. Um, for them to be able to plead or defend themselves in that. And when you know already that six men gang raped a 13-year-old girl, it doesn't matter. That stuff shouldn't matter. If you already know that, then they need to go to one place for a very long time because they just ruined someone else's life. They ruined her ability to have children. They ruined her ability, probably just really messed her up emotionally and mentally. I mean, I cannot imagine the healing that it was going it would take, especially for a 13 year old girl who is still learning about life and figuring things out. You know, the justice system failed her miserably as I already discussed there. And it just sets the tone for more people that are, find themselves in similar situations. And it just all goes back to case law, right? So now what you have a problem, you're setting this precedence. And then what's happening is people that will be in the same situation will find that there'll be lesser and lesser punishments or similar punishments or no punishment at all given out because, oh, I thought that she was of age or I thought she was this age. So that would have brought her close in age exception, you know, closer, right? And I'm just, I'm not hundred percent sure if that's the reason, but that's just from how I'm seeing it, right? How I'm seeing it on the outside. It looks that way with some of the information that was shared in that specific article. All right. So again, if laws are clearly defined, you know, with a proper adult age and if someone doesn't, you know, if someone didn't ask you to touch them and invite you into that, meaning verbally and in an agreement, it doesn't matter their age, that should be, that right there should be grounds for that person not giving you consent, bottom line. And we have straightforward laws like that and we live by them and, and we don't have like, well, X, Y, Z happened and then, yeah, then we could submit for prosecution if, but you know, so this is where we're seeing the problem right now is that even if they do make it more clear, it's still, you still have to meet certain requirements, which is just outrageous. It should stir you up because the, some of the topics that will be coming here on the show over the next couple of weeks are outrageous. And we're looking at some other countries now. You are going to probably not even believe it, but I will always leave you links in the show notes so that you can take a look at your, take a look at it yourself. 
and do your own digging and research because it's so important that you become an independent thinker on this. Don't just take my word for it. I'm showing you what I'm, what's coming to me, uh, the ideas and thoughts that are patterns that are coming to me as well, and how I'm connecting some of the pieces, where I'm getting some of this information from. And of course, I'm relating a lot of it to my own story as well, too, um, because my own story plays in really well with what we're seeing today. Um, so when we are teaching about consent and same with the laws, I also believe that it can all, it's very, very simple. And I think I already covered it before, but just to remind you again, consent should be taught in a very straightforward manner. Even if you are allowing your child to learn from the school system because you think it could be beneficial. I think there's a lot of interesting things you could put in there. And then of course, talk about what is informed consent. What is that all about? Do you understand if someone asks you to send nude pictures online, you know, understand that this is not appropriate. This is not right. And you should say no, but they're not, they're leaving that part out. Uh, and so again, it just hides true intentions and the insidiousness of this plan. And I think there is sort of a plan here. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, again, it's beyond the scope of this work to kind of call people out or whatever, but it's just my observations and my assumptions. Okay. So I could be in the wrong direction. I'm not hundred percent clear on that, but I would love to hear from you. So if you feel that way, or if you're seeing the writing on the walls well too, and you're connecting the dots as seeing that there's some kind of plan going on here. I would love to know from you. If you know me, just send me a private message, um, but send me an email. I created an email just for you, the listener, so you can share stuff with me anonymously. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to keep moving on. So in this process, what happens as well through the legal process, let's say a case does get through to the court system. Um, you know, what happens in this system because of the, the being misinformed, um, many victims and survivors are, you know, in these challenging situations. So you have challenging life and home situations that make it easier to prey on young people. And I was one of those young people. You know, when I look back to my, what happened in, at that time, and you probably recall from the story that I told about my life, um, or just that part of my life, I, I wasn't living at home. I was living in a group home. Uh, I had a lot of issues with my mom, with just family life in general, and there were a lot of uncertainties and of course, just a lot of other elements as well too. And so I was this 14-year-old girl who was left wide open. Um, it was the perfect storm for this offender. And it was the perfect storm for him to get away for, with it and for the tables to turn back on me. And like it or not, that's just, that's just how it was. So it looked great for him and really bad for me, no matter which way you look at it. And so... This is commonly what happens. So if you have these challenging home situations with some kids 
And then they're in this public state public school system that's telling them, you know, everything but the things they need to be informed about. They're looking for role models. So they look to entertainment and media and then they're being shown what should be normal and acceptable. And then, of course, then it just goes back to the law. Like it's all built on the laws because first the laws changed and at that at those times it was a lot it was much different they were subjects you didn't really talk about the way that we talk about now you didn't see it in entertainment as openly as you do now um and so it really evolved as the laws changed so did everything else and it built on that and So a lot of kids, a lot of young people, they just really aren't clear on what is normal and what is okay and what is not. And it just, again, that those lines just are blurred constantly, right? So there's a lot working against our young people and there's even a lot working against us as adults. But I would definitely argue that the young people are the ones that are the biggest targets right now. And, but again, even adults do struggle with understanding this because of all of the different messaging, what they're telling us all the time. They're not, in, there's no such thing as real informed consent unless you, the individual, are going out and learning on your own. You cannot take it from another person, you cannot take it from a quote unquote health professional or a person who might have worked with kids in the foster care system, for example, who decides that they're going to write this curriculum. You cannot take it from anyone. You can't take their word for it. You need to go out, inform yourself, learn how to inform your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, nephews, whoever that might be, and talk about both sides of this, all right, and fully inform them. Again, you cannot take it. It's always going to be biased when it comes from people who clearly have some type of agenda or are just moving it in one direction. For me, that's someone who has an agenda. If you really don't have an agenda, then you talk about both sides of it. And in a way that doesn't make a child confused or not being able to use their voice. Okay. So... Um, and here's something interesting that I came across as well, too. And I kind of relate this a little bit, this whole, you know, situation to fact checkers of all things. I don't trust fact checkers. I never really have. Um, they're clearly biased, kind of, you know, what they do. As we know, they're really just so honest and so unbiased, but we know that they really are biased. What they do is they take a tiny little detail um, and then say it's incorrect and then it negates the, the entire argument. And this is what happens with victims and the court process. They find one little thing that will say, maybe she consented, or maybe it meets this requirement in the law because of this one little detail. And then what happens in the courtroom, as we've discussed, you know, with different, some different cases is, you know, that one tiny detail just really could either throw the case out or hand out a lesser offense or lesser charge 
or redefine it as something else. So if the person was raped, like the girl in Spain, she was gang raped with proof on video. Um, but she just wasn't able to consent due to the fact that they had her drugged up and intoxicated. And also one of the guys had a gun, right? So what was she going to do? Um, but just in that case, they dropped it from, you know, rape to, uh, down to sexual abuse. And that's just unacceptable. And so it just said, again, it sets another precedence for something like that when it happens again in the future, either that same or even a lesser punishment could be given, or maybe it's going to be thrown out of court because one detail might throw the whole thing off. And this is very similar to fact checking. They look for what one thing that just negates the entire argument. And they're doing this in the court system with these cases and situations as well, too. Um, and then in that process, well, the victim, you know, or the survivor is trying to move on with their lives, but they want justice for what happened to them. They're being re-victimized in that process because now you're not now you're not handing out the punishment or recognizing what happened to you or what happened to this survivor and almost openly saying, publicly saying that, uh, well, this wasn't really a rape or a gang rape. Uh, it was something else um, because she didn't consent or she didn't say yes or no. And it's just so twisted because of course you're going to be in that courtroom thinking, Oh my gosh, like don't people believe that this happened to me? And there are, and you know, as I recounted from my story, no, people don't believe you. They can't believe that this happens to people. It's inconceivable even to our close, you know, even to our loved ones and our friends, we don't want to face it. We don't want to hear it or believe that it happens. And so I went through that exact thing and I was re-victimized over and over again throughout the entire process. And then later in my court date for my charges that were put, that the charges that were put against me and when justice was just never served to this person, finding out that it was really hard to prove anything, even though there was an investigation, they knew what was going on but they couldn't prove anything according to what the law had set out. So for a time again, I was re-victimized and that is the reality of it. It wasn't that I wanted to live there. It wasn't that I wanted to stay there and keep opening it up. But unfortunately the whole process failed me so bad. And in that process, I was just re-victimized the pain and the trauma and all of it brought up. And then of course, later on in life, it led me to a lot of situations where I was in put in similar situations and I was allowing myself just to be re-victimized because when it's done over and over again, there's almost like this part of you that kind of goes, you know, well, no one believes me. No one cares. This must be normal. There was some kind of pattern that was emerging and it, it wasn't healthy and it wasn't good. I'm definitely not trying to justify it, but it is part of a lot of the times what happens in these situations. And, you know, very rarely do I see or read about someone who 
goes through an ordeal that's really difficult and they've got amazing support and backup and someone to walk them, talk them through it and, you know, help all of that. That's so rare in these cases now. And it's really a sad situation. I know it doesn't, it seems, it seems hopeless and I don't think it is entirely. I think the hopeless aspect of it really will come down to what are you and I willing to do about it? And for me, that's the reason I started this podcast. That's the reason I started this project. And it's going to grow into something even bigger. It has to. Now is the time. Probably needed a, needed it a long time ago. But now is the time to really get this information out there. Really help people understand what is going, what has been going on what has led us to this? How did we get here? Why does this keep happening over and over and over again and nothing's being done? Or we think justice has been served, but why are there so many hurting people out there? So these are just my additional thoughts on consent. I really do hope that this further added to maybe some of your thoughts or maybe it was some of the thoughts that you already were having as well too. And Again, I would love it if you just message that to me or sent me send me an email, share some of the, the recent news in your own countries, counties, states, provinces, wherever you are in the world listening to this. I would love to know about developments that maybe I haven't come across yet. Um, that definitely will help add to the show, but also help me to open up my mind in as in terms of what is really going on in other places so we can bring this to more ears, more hearts, more minds, and start really opening this up to a greater conversation. This conversation needs to happen. It needs to happen in all directions. And, um, you know, it's an ever evolving conversation that I think if we don't start looking at the little in between, and it's not little, but there are things that have built up to these big things. If we don't start looking, taking a good hard look at them and really considering them more and learning more about what we can do to stop it, protect ourselves, protect our families, protect our neighbors, protect each other, I think we're really going to be in a pretty rough situation, uh, especially with some of the uh, information and news that I'm going to be bringing to you in the next few episodes And, uh, we are definitely going to be opening this topic even wider as we keep going. So stay tuned for that again, just, uh, I'm going to ask you my listeners and just say thank you as well for tuning into this, for sharing this, for considering the words that I have shared with you, some of the news information as well. And, uh, if you're sharing this with your friends and family, thank you so much. Just hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Again, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, gosh, we're on Outcaster. Uh, I can't remember them all, but we're on seven major platforms. So there's lots of choices for you. Um, And also, I would love it if you left a review on the show. And, you know, just something to help our future listeners know uh, what they can expect to get out of this and why it's an important podcast and just anything that will help boost our ratings, especially in iTunes. The more reviews you get in a short period of time, the more it boosts the show up. So if we can boost it up more, 
more organically reach more people. And uh, we really need to keep this conversation growing and going. Again, thank you so much, my valued listeners. We'll see you again soon. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk again soon. Goodbye.